face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Hello and welcome to another episode of Film to Film. The best podcast about movies, in my opinion. <laughs> my name is uh, Iñaki Lunero and I'm here with my good friend, James Shergan. Hey James, how are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, yeah, second trip back to uh, the uh, cinema uh, since the, the pandemic. Oh, okay. What was your first film? Uh, the Green Knight. Okay, okay. When was that? Uh, maybe about a month ago. Um, I, I was not a huge fan, so, you know. Oh, uh, when- amazing. Yeah, my, my first film was uh, Black Widow, uh, back to, you know, theater. And I, too, was not a huge fan of that movie. So I am very happy that uh, we chose the movie this time that maybe, I don't know about you, but uh, that I enjoyed quite a bit. But before jumping into the movie, what was your, like, how does it feel going back to the theater? Um... You know, it's different. Uh, I wore the mask the whole time, uh, so it's uh, I, I mm-hmm. wasn't eating popcorn or anything like that. Um, but it is nice um, to see something on the big screen. I, I do feel like it's a big advantage for movies. It's just that much more immersive. And I think especially a film like Candyman, uh, where it does have some really, really nice-looking shots, uh, as mm-hmm. does the original, um, it, it uh, does have some big benefits. And I do know that the director, Nia DaCosta, was pretty insistent on... Uh, uh, having this released in theaters um and you know i i can see why uh, a filmmaker would want it released in that way mm-hmm. uh, rather than through the smaller screen yeah no definitely i i definitely agree um uh, it, it 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 is just very nice also to be uh immersive is the word you said and i will say that yeah it's just nice to have a screen that is bigger that way bigger than you have the full surround sound. I mean, you can pay as much money as possible, like at your house, get a 4K giant TV. But it's just it doesn't beat being at this uh, at the theater. Um, the wearing of the mask. I mean, ne- I would say 100% necessary. Uh, I'm personally, I think I'm I'm still concerned about the Delta uh, variant. Uh, with that said, I wear glasses and I do not have contacts, so wearing a mask and trying to watch a movie is a challenge. I don't know about you. Uh, I mean, I've gotten used to it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I also wear glasses, uh, so I don't oh, know. You used to, uh, I thought you wore contacts sometimes. Uh, not not lately. Um, oh. I, I've worn them so seldomly that I need to get like the... This is a total tangent that our viewers don't care about, but I need to get the one day ones, uh, which I just haven't gotten yet. Uh, gotcha. Just because, so I can use them because I have not been wearing them enough. I mean, it's it's a it's a tangent, but I do think that it's uh, I don't know. In my opinion, it's kind of relevant in when it comes to theater. I maybe I am like the only idiot who has never figured out how to not fog up his glasses where, while wearing a mask. So like even now, uh, whenever like. Whenever I'm wearing a mask, I'm not wearing glasses, which means I, I just see blurry. Uh, but in the theater, obviously, I'm going to be wearing glasses. So it is sort of a challenge. And I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm sometimes curious if uh, other people have that issue, especially now. I, I have that issue when it rains uh, outside and mm. or when it's like really cold. But uh, no, I didn't have that issue uh, seeing Candyman. <laughs> all right, fair enough, fair enough. Maybe, maybe uh, given that DC is all is is like more humid, maybe that's why. 
Um, but I mean, beyond that, I mean, I, I really miss going to the theaters. Like it's just, it's kind of a, a nice break from, from everything a little bit, you know, you're in the dark room, uh, even when watching this movie for the podcast, it's like not, not having to take notes meant that I could like straight up just pay attention to the movie. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is our first podcast recorded this way, so I'm curious to see how this goes because normally uh, I suspect we're both taking notes while we're watching the film. Um, but this time we both are in the theater, so I have zero notes on this. Uh, and yeah. thankfully you are the one leading, so uh, we'll see where this goes. Yeah, I, I guess we'll, we'll try to run uh, off my memory, uh, which, oof, oof. All right. Um, so anyways, uh, as we have mentioned many times, uh, we watched the... Uh, Candyman, the 2021 Candyman film. Uh, uh, we recently talked about the one from the 90s, uh, the original. Uh, this one, I would say, feels like a soft reboot or kind of a sequel. I, I want to call it a soft reboot because although I've not seen the other, the, the sequels of the, or the first Candyman, uh, from what I understand, this one kind of ignores them. Um, yeah, you know, I I think uh, fans of Candyman sort of treat those two like really annoying aunts and uncles that were they're just like oh we just don't talk about them, uh, <laughs> right, the, right, the, the the black sheep of the family that they'd rather just not be acknowledged. And so, I this didn't I I've seen Candyman too. Uh, this doesn't bring hardly anything from that film. I don't think it brings anything at all actually. So I think mm -hmm. it's it's like stuff from Candyman 1 obviously some of that lore is in this film but uh not not the other two as far as i can right tell. yeah so that's why i feel like it, it, it seems more of a soft reboot than uh than a, another sequel of the film sure sure that makes uh, sense yeah um uh this one was directed by Nia da Costa uh apparently it's done really good in the box office uh which is which is great because uh she is a black female director so i think she has been like the highest grossing uh black female director um am i wrong yeah. <laughs> uh you might be right i don't know i i i can't fact check you right now um but <laughs> i mean that's that's cool but also a little depressing because I, I i mean it's the pandemic so i don't know that movies are making too much but yeah i i know uh, for sure yeah yeah da costa also became the first black female director to have a film finish number one at the box office so i don't know if it's breaking which records it's breaking but it is breaking some records yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, uh, I think there were other big movies coming out around around the same time. So I don't I mean, know. It's summer. It's yeah, summer. summer. So uh, it, like, uh, what's what's it? Uh, uh, Shang Chi came out, I think. Um, so yeah, there's some uh, some Marvel films and stuff like that coming. Yeah, so it is kind of impressive that uh, I, I I think it's I think it's good and I think it's totally uh, deserved. Uh, I mean, this movie ha had been in development for a while. Apparently, it had it was supposed to come out in 2020. Uh, because it, but it got delayed for well, COVID. <laughs> um, so it's it's nice that it's finally out. On you know, it's, I think it's uh, this is not Da Costa's uh, debut film. Uh, her debut debut was uh, Little Woods, which I never saw. Um, yeah, I, I I saw it. It's a it's a nice uh, solid indie film. Um, yeah, I watched it a couple weeks ago. Uh, sort of thinking that i might see this film so yeah it's it's a good movie um 
yeah, very minor. Uh, obviously, a very small film compared to this one, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I do like that film. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how like uh, she's gonna be directing a Marvel movie. <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, I feel like that's what Marvel does. It's just they hire a bunch of like indie, like good indie directors, and uh, either they finish the movie or Marvel kicks them out halfway through because the movie, because they're <laughs> too weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's a good sign or a bad sign if they get kicked out. I might actually look forward to their next film after Marvel more if they actually got kicked out. Uh, yeah, maybe. Although, it's, it's kind of sad because many of the people who got, have gotten kicked out like halfway through, uh, they, I, I mean, there have, haven't been new movies coming out from them. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Anyways, uh, but yeah, uh, let's hope that, you know, she, she does well enough with the Marvel film so she can make bank. And that way she can come back and make uh, really good uh, indie films or... You know, uh, not big budget films uh, that we can enjoy and where she has all the freedom that she had probably with this one. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've had some conversations about like sort of that strategy of doing one for them and one for us uh, Mm -hmm. with like Guillermo del Toro or or even like someone like Martin Scorsese who might alternate between something that's very he's very passionate about, like The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, and then, like something far more commercial, like the color of money. Um, right. Uh, so, I mean, there, like, if she can build up that cachet and have a couple good big budget successes, which it seems like Candyman is on the road for, mm-hmm. then uh, good for her. And hopefully, she can also pursue some, uh, what I'm assuming are more passion projects, unless her passion projects are indeed uh, the Marvels. But for some reason, <laughs> I, I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um. Anyway, so you know, just. What do you think of the movie? Uh, I have mixed feelings on the film. Um, I thought Ooh. some of it, uh, I, I think it has some very strong strengths and uh, some things that I didn't work quite so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 uh, I, I definitely like some aspects of it. I think visually it, it is very strong. Um, what, did, what did you think of the film? Um, I really liked it, uh, but I do think that it... I, I agree with you that it's not a per- perfect film. Uh, I think uh, there, the, there were a couple of things that could have been better explained in the movie. Uh, there are other things that might might have been might have worked better uh, if they were a little bit more subtle. Uh, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, um, it, it is. It is kind of uh, difficult sometimes uh, to not compare with the uh, the original uh, because this this movie definitely made me appreciate many parts of the original a lot more actually. Uh, but uh, so if yeah. you, if you had to pick one, uh, which one are you picking? I, I would pick the original by by a little bit. Like they both. Okay. How about you? I definitely pick the original. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they made this film, but I'd pick the original. Yeah, I, I mean, I love that this is not a remake. Uh, I I do love also that this definitely takes a whole new perspective of things. I I and I I like the perspective that it, that this movie takes. I just feel like the ending gets a uh, like it felt felt rushed to me. 
What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I've actually, uh, today, I, I watched the movie last night, so I watched it very recently. Oh, I nice. did listen to a podcast and a half um, of people talking about it. And you know, when, when, and everyone liked it uh, more than I did, actually. But uh, they, uh, they uh, one complaint I heard from people that liked it was that uh, they actually wished it was longer and explained a bit more about sort of the stuff that was going on. Mm. Um, and and uh, I think I agree. I almost wish um, – I feel like the parts where this one works, and I think it's sort of an interesting contrast because we just did Memories of Murder on the podcast mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago, is that that film really, uh, for me at least, uh, really integrates a lot of different aspects. And for me, uh, Candyman, it tries to do a whole lot, which I definitely respect. And I don't know that all of it lands, and I especially don't know that the ending lands. Um, so um, – you know, I, I it's one of the reasons why I do have uh, sort of mixed feelings on this. Um, it's like I, I think some some things were really strong, um, mm-hmm. but maybe uh, some of it is a little bit overstuffed. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna throw in a quick uh, summary that I got from IMDb, uh, just for the audience to, for the ones who have not seen the film and are dumb enough to be listening to us before seeing the film. Yeah, this uh, is a spoiler episode. <laughs> I mean, always. <laughs> um, yeah. But a uh, summary. In present day, many years after the last of Cabrini Towers were torn down, Anthony and his partner move into a loft in the now gentrified Cabrini. A chance, <clears throat> sorry, a chance encounter uh, with Alzheimer's exposes Anthony to the true story behind Candyman. Anxious to use this macabre, macabre, sorry, detail in his studio as fresh grist. Oh, fuck it. Anyways, I'm just not, I'm going to summarize even more than that. Anthony discovers about Candyman. Uh, he gets excited to use it in his art, but uh, unleashes a terrifying waves of violence. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I probably could have done it shorter. Uh, this is really long. Uh, what do you think of the yeah yeah Yeah. you know uh, it's interesting this film tries to do so much that it almost doesn't sum it all up but I don't know how you could make it better so I mean I mean to be honest uh, now just thinking on top of my head I mean to sum it up to sum to to sum up a synopsis uh, for this film would be more of a Artist moves uh, moves into uh, moves into a gentrified uh, area that uh, where horrible things happened. He discovers about the folk, the folk story of Candyman, or the yeah folk legend of Candyman. Uh, upon using that as his inspiration, he opens the door to uh, horror. Done. I mean, I know, I know it's it's, it's accurate but incomplete. But I mean, you're not going to be able to touch upon it. I mean, sure, sure. Un- un- unless you say like the film explores uh, the race, you know, <laughs> past and present race, uh, race uh, history and issues with uh, America in America, whatever. But yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. You could do that. Um, I, I, I mean, I think in some areas, um, I think what I enjoyed about this movie is that. At moments, it is blunt about some of the racial issues. Uh, 
that although it's blunt and not subtle, it's done in a tasteful manner. Uh, what do you think? Um, yeah, for me, that's definitely one of my complaints is that, yeah, it's a little on the nose for my own preference. And, uh, you know, I got to recognize that it's, it is my own preference for these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's almost like, uh, I, I do feel a little bit like the, uh, <laughs> the critic in the art exhibit, uh, where she's, she complains about it being a little, uh, <laughs> Uh, on the nose and didactic and obviously that's not a very likable character but here i am uh, making a very similar uh point uh so yeah for me uh, i i actually strongly prefer sort of the subtext uh, in uh -huh. the way that the original one worked um yeah it, it is funny you mentioned this because i do feel like uh, i wouldn't be surprised that that critic was you know like basically written to preempt people like people with a you know your point of view not that not that uh you know it's i mean because it's a point of view like some people like uh do not like something uh too blunt that like when some things are like you know too unnosed or too blunt i i personally i mean i, I was going back and forth on it like at, at some moments i was like they're just straight up saying it <laughs> yeah yeah and and for me that's almost always too much uh i just I don't know. I tend to react negatively when like a film tries to shove a message, even one I agree with down my throat a little bit mm -hmm. of what I feel like is too much. And for me, you know, I, I got enough that it didn't ruin the movie for me, but I, it was not an aspect that I would comment positively on about the film. Right. And, and, and on, on my hand though, I, I think what, I guess what I find interesting is that they, Although they straight up say all the things that are that you know are happening, they like they're talking about gentrification. They're talking about white people like pushing black people out. Uh, uh, they're talking about uh, they actually don't talk about police violence. That's one that they just show, <laughs> and they show quite literally. Uh, e even though, but even though they talk about all this stuff, uh, it doesn't feel. I guess to me, because I've been thinking about it, because I, I most of the time I agree with you. When something is just straight up said, it feels, you know, it feels not natural. It feels like it puts you out of the movie. However, uh, at least uh, you know, live, personally, me living in DC with uh, people of multiple, like with uh, all, like, all uh, professional class folks. Which I feel like this is the, the type of people in, in this movie, right? People who are like upper class folks, but all of different races, like black, Latinos, mm -hmm. etc. This shit is shit we talk about. Like while while we're getting drunk, we straight up talk about like, oh, you know, we're taking like, oh, we're part of the problem of gentrification, ah, blah blah blah. We get into debates like that. At least here in our elite multicultural uh, East Coast, if you will. So. Given that the, this movie is set in Chicago and all these people are like uh, wealthy, wealthy minorities, it's not out of place. It's not out of place at all. Uh, it's actually yeah. very on place and very, uh, very natural and realistic that they would be okay. having those talks. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong that it's it's realistic. I mean, I, I don't feel like those conversations would be something that, uh, I mean, like I'm in Seattle too, so I'm part of a not too dissimilar uh, bubble where those conversations would be not out of place too. I don't know. I, I mean, I am very curious to see how I would feel about this film in like 
once the cultural zeitgeist has moved past, mm. I could see it going both ways. Um, for me, at least, um, I found it to be a little tired as well. Um, uh, just, I don't know. It feels like a conversation that ha- has been had a lot. Uh, and maybe I'll feel differently and I'll feel like, oh, yeah, those were how we were sort of talking uh, in like 2020 and 2021. And it'll sort of have a greater resonance in the future. Um yeah. But uh, for me right now, it's not something that really uh, struck a positive note. No, no, for sure. I guess, I guess uh, my point was more on um, there, there, there are tons of movies that shove a message, but it feels completely out of place. Like yeah. the conversation is not at all. Like it's just not organic. It's not it. it you, you don't understand why the fuck this like where this is. This did this come from? And with this movie actually works out really well. You know, it's like. Uh, a bunch of uh, like friends, families, drunk, like all around the same age, drunk. One one of them is a real real realtor, so they straight up he's talking about like, oh yeah, you bought this gentrified thing, bitch, or whatever. And you're like, all right, yeah, yeah, I can see that, I can see that. Uh, and I mean, you even get that little uh, play where um, one of the the. Uh, I think uh, what's her name? Uh, Brianna's boyfriend. Uh, Bri- no, Brianna's uh, brother's boyfriend, who is the only white guy. This is like at the beginning. They're like when they're talking uh, about gentrification. I have the cast up now. Grady, Grady Greenberg. I don't Grady. even know if they said his name, but there. No, you go. I don't think so. Yeah, but uh, Troy's Troy's boyfriend, uh, uh-huh. who's who's the only white guy in uh, at that uh, dinner. Uh, it, it's funny when he he is like. Well, you're part of the problem. Uh, talking about gentrification, and everyone just gets quiet, kind of like shut the fuck up, white guy. <laughs> it's just like they move on. Uh, I don't know. It, it just feels. Uh, it felt organic to me, and I think it was it was well mixed with uh, the plot itself. That it didn't. That again, it was on the nose. I'm not gonna disagree with that, but it was. But what impressed me is that it, although it wasn't nose, it didn't bother me because it was well integrated with the plot, with a, not just the plot, but with a, with the moment. And I don't know if that was the director, in my opinion. In, in that way, to me, that's actually a plus for the director or the writers or both mm-hmm. on how well, to in, integrate. In this case, she, she is a writer as well. Um, right. And, yeah. Uh, the other... There are two other writers credited, one of which is Jordan Peele. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who you give credit to. All of them. All three of them. Uh, sure. But yeah. Um, so, I was thinking maybe we could talk about the cinematography first and then go more into the more plotty related themes. Sure. Um, uh, I mean, what were your thoughts about it? So cinematography might be my number one reason why uh, I would recommend people see this film. Mm. Uh, I think I think it lands. I think it looks super good uh, mm-hmm. from start to finish. And a lot of the frames are really good. Um, I think it establishes a different look uh, than the original. Um, and I like sort of that inverted look. The yeah. original had lots of the helicopters, eye in the skies. Mm-hmm. This one starts from almost the opposite where, I, I mean, I was just in Chicago maybe uh, two months ago. And it's like almost from that uh, that river. And it almost seems like it's just looking up into this like super overcast foggy sky. Yeah. At the super tall buildings. 
Um, I, I think it looks fantastic. I thought I thought she did a good job. My favorite um, cinematography kill, like kill from a visual look, was the uh, critic Me who too. dies, and and the camera just sort of zooms out. And I I just think uh, uh, in terms of that stuff, and this is probably the reason, even though I have mixed feelings on the film, why I am excited to actually see more from Nia DaCosta is like mm-hmm. I think she has a really strong uh, visual look, um, uh, just her films, and so uh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> there's uh, some cool. Uh, I don't know about your theater, but my theater had like a photosensitivity thing up about like flashing lights and stuff. Oh no, uh, I didn't and warning that. people. Okay, well, mine did, uh, and there are a number of flashing lights. It, it actually reminded me of um, uh, El Casa, uh, or whatever that film was we watched, uh, but oh. it's actually not overdone <laughs> in this film. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, so um, I thought the look of the film was uh, outstanding, um, and uh, I thought it holds up um, as like not necessarily similar to the original, but I mean, just uh, just as good in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, I, one, one thing I was gonna I forgot to mention with the theater viewing experience but since you mentioned uh, your 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 theater uh, so I'm getting off a tangent again um, one and the, the other reason why I loved watching this movie in theaters uh, and this goes well beyond um, watching like a Marvel film or something else is that um, at least uh, in here in DC where you know we have a very large black community you had on point reactions from the audience and i mean it was just amazing just like because that i guess that also adds to the experience like when they're when they're you know they're talking talking about certain points someone goes "Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah you know shit like that yeah yeah was your theater pretty packed um it wasn't packed packed but but it had people it had it had quite a bit of people yeah yeah, I mean, and you went with popcorn though. <laughs> it, it, I mean, that's the theater. You went with your partner too. Yeah, yeah. And did she like it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, my. Yeah. I'm glad you shared that because yeah, it, it, that that is one other big part of the theater experience that we missed. Um, I am in Seattle, which is much less black than uh, than uh, uh, Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. But I do live in uh, one of the parts of town that is a little bit blacker. So I saw it with maybe 20 people in the theater and maybe like eight or nine were black, which is a pretty black audience for Seattle. Oh. Um, but so, so there was a little bit of a reaction, but uh, I think my audience was just smaller in general uh, than yours. Yeah, no, and on our, yeah, since on our side, like, I don't know, it was just like, uh, it's just like, you know, when people like, uh, I mean, this is a moment when, you know, like a film, like the target audience is an audience that will, you know, uh, sympathize and empathize a lot more with the subject matter. And when you're with that audience, uh, the, the the actual target audience, I feel like the experience is much, uh, much richer. I mean, in fact, I, I remember when uh, I watched Get Out, it was also here in D.C. And, and it was just one of those where, yeah, like. You know, many times when people are talking or reacting to movies is annoying, but for some reason, when like they're fully in tune with the film, it almost enhances that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like, yeah, 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 no, I agree. Uh, I mean, I am no fan of people on their phones during films, but yeah, when a fan, when people are interacting with the material in front of them. I don't know. I have a hard time taking issue with that, even if mm-hmm. it is uh, can be a little distracting. I mean, that's part of the theater communal experience that is 
uh, frankly, pretty enjoyable at times. Yeah, no, definitely. And and I mean, yeah. this film, this film, I don't know if it was Nia Da Costa or maybe uh, Jordan Peele had like a little bit of uh, some direction there, some some direction. But this film definitely has a comedy, and you know, when you're in the theater and the comedy hits most of the audience, it'll hit you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's something that worked. And, you know, uh, missing Get Out in theaters is definitely a big regret of mine. I think I was moving around that time, and mm. so I just totally missed it. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's uh, – it, I agree. Uh, the humor I – th- I thought the film uh, – the, the writing of the film on the dialogue of the humor I thought was some of the writing that I did uh, enjoy of the film. Mm-hmm. And I thought that stuff did land. So, I don't know. It's easy to give Jordan Peele credit for that stuff just because he's the comedy person. But who knows who wrote that? Yeah, it might have been her uh... – I mean, again, as a collaborative work, which all films technically are, uh, the this was just I, I really liked it. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, I think the more I the more the higher up it goes. Like I remember when I left the theaters, I did I probably felt more like you, and I had uh, and I and the film had like the 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 original had a, was a significantly higher than this one. But now I'm like that. Now that gap has gone down because the more I think about it and I think about the experience. Um, anyways, uh, going back to cinematography, uh, yeah. So I completely agree with you in that. Um, in that, it it was kind of nice that this film, instead of copying the original, it goes completely almost the opposite way, uh, having the warm eye view instead of the bird's eye view, and almost showing Chicago as a maze from ground up. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before uh, because it, all the buildings almost feel, uh, felt like a corridor or like uh, hmm. a maze uh, where you just kind of moved around. But from you uh, and, and, and the clouds were the, seal, the, the floor, if you will, um, which which kind of goes hand in hand with many of the many scenes where you would see uh, Anthony usually whenever he had to meet with someone. The, the movie would follow him as he's walking through these narrow hallways uh, with usually shitty lighting, which is, I mean, the hallways are, uh, the lighting is good, but I'm saying like the, the hallways like show like cheap lighting. Uh, yeah. You know. I mean, like the original, you sort of get this great Chicago architectural uh, view of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I think both films, this and the original, um, uh, both really capture that. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sequels, I think, are set in different cities too. So those are kind of another way it sets it apart. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, no, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'll stop bringing up the uh, crazy aunt and uncle. So let's get back to the. <laughs> well, I haven't. Seen, I, <laughs> let's get out of the film. I, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't met them, so I wouldn't know. Right? <laughs> uh, you, you you don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> um, no. Uh, what I, what I also like is that this is one of those films where when you watch the original and then you watch this one, they will enhance each other almost. Uh, you appreciate you get a more appreciation for the original by watching uh, this uh, reboot, but you also have uh, uh, you appreciate more more this reboot by watching the original because you got yeah. those uh, echoes. One one thing I do like about this film too is like I feel like a lot of the modernizations of uh, or reboots or whatever you want to call them of 
classic material or original material, they often focus a lot on like sort of the new technology and like it's super uh, integrated with like social media or computers or, or cell phones or something like that. And this film, I thought, uh, goes for uh, a little bit less of that. And I actually appreciate that about the film. I think it probably, uh, you know, it, it increases the chances it will probably age in a more graceful way rather than being like super uh, grounded in like the year 2021. Um, yeah. So, no, I completely agree. I think this this, I mean, we never we never know what will be timeless or not. But this yeah. film's like, th- this film feels like uh, it'll be timeless. Uh, yeah. I mean, he he even has to go back into like the old school archives and and get like uh, Helen Lyles' uh, information from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, another thing I liked about this movie is. I mean, if you compare it with the old one, this one actually, the old one kind of was uh, in certain ways more straightforward. Um, What you saw is what, what you saw, what you believed is what it is. I mean, there was one moment where it starts making you think maybe, maybe uh, Helen is crazy, but you know, you you know, as this one, I feel like the moment, it's hard to believe the eyes of Anthony because I mean in this movie you're in Anthony's eyes in, in a way right like the original was in Helen's view this one you're in Anthony's eyes uh, like for example the hand like at moments you see the hand rotting at other moments actually the hand seems fine um, and that's one thing I noticed and I don't think there were um, continuity errors I think they, they were on purpose it was to sort of show that Anthony was kind of I don't know if uh going crazy but like he kind of was kind of losing it after he learning about uh about um Candyman. What what do you, do you have like any thoughts of that? Uh between that or you know like for example the 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 use of mirrors many times when Anthony was around mirrors something weird usually would happen either the Anthony in the mirror would be moving differently than the 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 other one. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was good in, in sort of that those aspects of showing like multiple mirrors. Obviously, that makes a lot of sense with just Candyman and, and some of the, the uh, lore there. I mean, I, I've heard one alternate sort of description, and I think this would probably make more sense if this was an original one-off film rather than sort of be a, a spiritual sequel or a sequel, um, is if... Uh, is that you could just see this it almost plays at least up until the end as like this could all be going in uh, uh anthony's head as sort of like it's more a picture of a guy going crazy uh the one exception to that would be uh killing like the five teenage girls which mm-hmm. makes no sense because anthony has never interacted with them but all of the other kills are like people he has had some sort of acrimonious uh interaction with um, right. So you could see it as like, oh, he's actually the killer and he's doing um, it this way. Obviously, that's not the route the film does, but it could play. Uh, it's easy to see how the film could play in that way. And that also might show you how sort of like it shows the mental degradation of uh, his character. Uh, right. Exactly. The, the story. Mm-hmm. Right. And what's interesting is the original does that, too. Like, I mean, you could, it could have easily gone into Heather actually went crazy and she was the one killing everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first one even makes more of a point of it, and I, I do kind of prefer the first one on these points of like uh, Candyman is basically like framing her um, in, in a way. Uh, yeah, like he frees her from the restraints and stuff like that when uh, 
right. they kill the psychiatrist and things like that. Well, in that, the thing is with this one, uh, Candyman, and and here's where where this one is definitely a sequel because in this one, Candyman is dead. Anthony revives him. Like I think that's yeah. that's you know, um, Anthony revives him, but. It also adds a little bit to the lore, and this is the part where I, I and I, I, this might be on the nose for you, and I'm not sure, but that I actually did like, which was uh, the Candyman is a representation of, you know, the, the racial injustice, in, and it's the embodiment of that. And, I mean, one person literally says it straight up, right? Like, he talks about all the... Uh, he name lists a, 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 the a bunch of like real, real, you know, unjust uh, killings of uh, of black people. Like I forget the name of the kid who was electrified, or the other kid who was you know beat to the pulp. I mean, you know, historical uh, all these different historical moments, uh, and and that's the real story of uh, of Chicago because those all those are like. The, the 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 few names that were actually real cases those are cases in chicago right hmm. and it's like that's the history of chicago that's the history of the united states and that's the thing candy man in reality is the spirit of all all black men and women who have been unjustly killed for being black and and i mean i and that's what i was saying although it's on the nose in the credit, it wraps it up so be- so beautifully, right? In the credits, when it's playing from the you know fake original can like fake story of the original Candyman, all the way till today, I guess, on on all the different black black men, kids, etc., that have been killed for being black. Um, yeah, so I think this is probably the part where we start to disagree. I, where, I bet. Where we agree more on the craft. For me, it just doesn't land. I mean, I, I really, uh, I don't know. It, it's just trying to do a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I do really respect that, but I just don't know that it works that well. Um, and, and for me, yeah, it is a bit on the nose. But for me, it also um, is a little unfocused and messy in that sense. It's like, yeah, we can talk about it in this sense. And I almost wish they just chose something and more pursued it. But then how does like the uh, teenage killings uh, make sense? It's like to me, those those you could twist it in a way that maybe does make a little bit sense with like the the uh, black girl that gets caught in the thing. But for me, uh, that stuff, it just doesn't work that well. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, from in a way, you could say that Candyman in this film is less of a monster and more of an anti-hero to some folks. It not not a good one, anti-hero, right? An anti-hero is not a good person per se, right? But it's someone that kills, and most of the time, it might seem justified. Maybe not the teenage girls, uh, although the movie tries to sort of justify it by them being shitty to the black girl. But then, you know, the, you, the movie completely... I mean, the better, in my opinion, the better example of the inconsistency would be the, the older sister doing Candyman in her house. I don't know if you remember that part where they're, they're doing kind of a montage. And she's like... Mm-hmm. She kicks out her little brother of the, of the bathroom. Uh-huh. And I mean, like, this, uh, you know, and this little black girl playing Candyman at, at home and then she gets brutally killed. 
Like yeah, that's, that's another example. That yeah. that would be the one where I'm like, okay, well, this one, th- there's no rhyme or reason. But right, I, I, I yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm not a big pothole guy, but for me, it has a lot of ideas, and they just don't mesh uh, together uh, on the more thematic sense in a way that seemed particularly cohesive or well thought out to me and you know that that could just be me and other people could uh it, it could land home a lot clearer but for me it it just sort of left me uh cold and scratching my head no for sure i i mean i i see that i i on the other hand i guess because i mean i'm not i'm not arguing i'm not trying to necessarily convince you but i do want to like perhaps bring more on the cons- uh, on the points of one person's hero could still be a monster. One group's hero could still be a monster. Uh, real examples are, you know, uh, may, may, there are many glorified bandits in history. Uh, for Mexican, there's like, uh, I think, uh, what's it called? Uh, Emiliano Zapata, I think is the name of the guy. Francisco? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, Pancho Villa. Uh, I mean, these were like bandits. These were like terrorists, if you will. And they killed a lot of innocent people while also doing a just fight. Uh, but I mean, they were, I mean, they were bad people. So I kind of view, I feel like this movie frames Candyman uh, sort of this monster, if you will, uh, a monster, which is kind of like the original film. However, it's a monster that sides with uh, that acts as revenge if you, uh, or is the embodiment of basically the, the, the collective hate towards society uh, uh, of, the, of, the, of African Americans or American black people. You know, and I mean that could be that could be an aspect, and then and then it would justify uh, some of the innocent killings because it's a, it's a monster. It, it's just the embodiment of that that rage. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that's what the filmmakers were going for, but uh, for me, it just I don't know, it didn't land. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think they they did they, they 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 sort of put that uh, put that idea they they put that idea in there with uh, uh, Helen's uh, recording. Because, because I think some of those some of those quotes are new; they were not from the original movie. And one of them is her talking about like, "Oh, I believe Candy." Uh, I think this is just Candyman. It's a collect. Oh, is it a collective collective hysteria for uh, for the people living in in uh, the, the projects to to justify or explain the horrors that happened there. And and you're like, yeah, I mean that's kind of what it is. It's a, it's a, it's sort of a, a a way of uh, what is it? Um, I want to say like a release of that of, of of the nightmare, the living nightmare that the that these folks live live in. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and I'm I'm not saying it's a strong. I mean, I I think it was a powerful, a powerful analogy, a powerful point. I can see not being for you, um, but yeah. Um, the other theme that I thought was interesting, though, in this one is uh, the art world. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I will, I will have to give some credit to my partner who has been in the art, art world. And one of the things that she said when we finished watching the film was, wow, I think this is the movie that represents most, that represents almost most accurately the art world. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, and... And and this and this movie represents it in a. It's not like oh, artist and everyone is just annoying and irritating, and all that. It's not. It's the artists are people who are working really may may or may not be working really hard or trying to work really hard on what on doing their craft, while the people who buy the buyers the market, uh, the reliance on critics, the reliance on basically rich people to fund that. Uh, is really shitty and people just buy the story and they don't really give a shit about the work that makes sense uh, before I weigh in I just wanted to to say that your whoa sounded like you just like spoke smoked three joints and, and watched a 2001 Space Odyssey the third first time okay <laughs> um, but uh, yeah I, you know uh, the art world I, I didn't think that much about the art world it wasn't a major complaint for me but I, I'm glad to hear that it is realistic I thought mm-hmm. it was a good uh, sort of like piece of the canvas uh, or a good texture to have is just sort of like uh, something that's a little more interesting to show a bunch of like rich assholes uh, uh, that are good uh, you know good good meat for the butcher shop that is Candyman. Uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, definitely. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I liked, I, I like the art world stuff. I mean, it's, it's cool. I, I like the art aspects of the original and the graffiti art. And I also do like the art, art in this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. And I mean, it also provides, a, especially the, the gallery provides probably my second favorite kill in the, in this film my second or third favorite kill um so should we should we jump into the kills now sure all right so first of all what's your favorite kill um i think we already talked about oh, it, right, the one the, in the building yeah yeah with the, that one yeah the uh, but you know all of them were super well done i mean like the teenage girl stuff i i was just complaining about how it it kind of stands out as far as the film goes and I don't know if it would have made sense to cut or, or somehow explain it a bit better, but that shot with the fucking mirror. Oh, oh my God. God it's yeah. a great shot. It's, it's super well done. The, the, uh, just almost as a straight slasher. I wonder if I would have joined this team film more if I'm just looking at it as more as like a slasher where I'm just enjoying, uh, watching shitty people get mowed down, um, mm-hmm. more than, more than like a more deeply rich theme thing. Um, but yeah, I mean like, that that kill was also uh, definitely noteworthy. Um, the art gallery, as you talked about, so I don't know. Those three are are the ones that come to mind. Were there are those the only three, or were there more on screen? Well, so you have others um, that are not by Candyman, and interestingly enough, they are still horrific. So you got Sherman Fields, yeah, uh, the original, the 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 man who who's presumably Candyman for most of the movie. And you have uh, uh, William Burke, the the religious, the, the Candyman religious zealot, who Brianna kills with a fucking yeah pen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and that one was pretty brutal too. Uh, yeah, uh, you got the cops. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, 
a lot of the cop ones happen off screen though um. i mean most of the kills actually happen off screen i think the only kill that is like straight up on screen is um is the uh critic on on yeah. uh, the critic on uh the the gallery guy's uh girlfriend yeah. Well, I mean, we see a lot of, like, the teenage girls getting mowed down. Um, obviously, not all of it is on screen, but it's, like, not at, like, a straight cutaway. True, true. No, yeah, no, you're right. It's, 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 com- you see parts of it. I mean, what's nice about the girls is that, y- uh, uh, what's nice about all the kills, though, is that I love the angles. I love that, uh, and that each kill is a little bit different. And none of them are, it's not about the gore on this one. It's almost about like the beauty of it. Yeah, um, yeah, and not that it shies away from gore. It's like especially the art gallery one has a lot of gore. And personally, for me, I, I'm pro gore. Uh, yeah, I, no, mean, I, 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 I would have voted for Al Gore too, but I, I like the gore <laughs> in this film. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I like. I mean, I, um, I, I mean, we we talked about other movies. We we enjoy some of the kills, but I mean, at the same time, it, it is nice to see. Uh, Different angles, different views. Um, I mean, when, what I like about, for example, the the gallery kill is how uh, you only see Candyman in the reflections because you never see Candyman actually in uh, in the place. It's always through the reflection. So it's nice to see the a person being killed by something invisible while you see the reflection. You see Candyman in the back. Um, I. I mean, generally speaking, those are uh, really great kills. And then, of course, you have the kill, the 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 kills by the cops. Um, those are probably one of the f- the few kills where you actually see the the you actually see the victim's face while they're being shot or killed. And that uh, I I actually do like how there are the fun kills. Like teenage girls, and then there are like the weighty kills, which is the uh, the ones killed by the cops. And I think that the movie does that very well in the framing. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I agree. They they're they're done so differently and and contextually, they're just totally different. That when you said kills, I didn't even think about the cop killings. Although you're technically right, they are kills. Um, yeah. So yeah, in terms of enjoyment, they are very low, <laughs> as yeah. they should be. Um, but uh, I, uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, no, for sure. And the uh, let's see. And then I guess the the other thing uh, I this is the part where I would say being uh, at, the, at a theater with a with a black audience was kind of enjoyable is that they play on some of the uh, quote unquote uh, positive stereotypes of black people. One of them being black people in horror movies. Uh, there's the, always the stereotypes that are going to be like, oh hell no, I'm I'm not doing that. That's stupid. You know, they, well, white people go go down the basement. The the black person will not. And this movie does that. And the audience kind of completely ate it up, and that made the enjoy enjoyment a lot more. Cause like when, when like uh, there's the scene where uh, Brianna is in uh, at the laundromat in the office, and she sees that there's a basement. She kind of opens the door, looks down, and she's like, "Hell no!" And and the, the, at least uh, the couple next to me went like, "Mm-hmm, yeah." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, "Yeah, this is good." <laughs> yeah, my my audience had a similar reaction. Yeah, um, which is yeah, it, it's just funny. Um, so there's that, and and then 
and again, maybe this is on the nose, but I do like how one character actually explains why these stereotypes exist, which is Troy. Uh, I think this is the gallery when they're reading about, like, they're saying, oh, say Candyman five times. And then uh, his white boyfriend is like, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. And Troy is like, stop. You know, I'm black. We're gay. We're already living a horror movie. Let's not make it worse. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that was a good line. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I liked a lot of the sporting cast, too, like Troy and uh, his boyfriend and... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I liked the laundromat guy until it went too wacky. Um, was not a fan of that twist until um, until he until he did like some really good drugs because <laughs> the guy goes like nuts and I think he even mentioned drugs. It's like, am I in drugs? Who knows? I think he says something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so uh, actually, what scenes stood out for you? Uh, you know, the, I, I think for me, at least, uh, the parts that resonated the most were just the parts that were most visually beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of, uh, set pieces and stuff. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I liked a lot of, uh, I, I liked, as I said earlier, the art critic and I liked like sort of that layout, that very circular layout of mm-hmm. her building. Um, I liked, uh, the church setting was good, even though I didn't care for that twist that they put there. Um, yeah, uh. I don't know. Well, which twist? Uh, the fact that Burke um, has some crazy idea of making like the next Candyman, which he end, ends up succeeding. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I. I wish that had been more developed. Like I, I am not against it, but I am not like. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about the ending. Uh, and then we can talk maybe more in detail about the actors themselves. Um, I the church scene, really good setup. Uh, really great scene where um, Burke is uh, just chopping Anthony's arm. Um, as you know, Anthony is sort of like in a trance, but like crying. He's almost like uh, on the deep end, like the get out deep end, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and the chase scene, all of that, I think they do really well, especially being in a horror film. So I, I personally, that scene alone, uh, uh, Burke being crazy, all of that, I think, works out really well. But there was a gap between that and the rest of the movie that needed to, like, create that connection. What do you say? Yeah, it's either that. Um, I also tend to think that this is kind of where the film tends to get off the train tracks a little bit and derailed, where it just tries to do a little bit too much. Um, So one way they could have done it is just spend a little more time developing it, and so you could see how it could end up at that point. Mm -hmm. But I do not think it worked uh, in its current concoction, where you sort of have Burke going from this guy that's sort of helping to move along the plot and explain stuff, and then all of a sudden he's... He's chopping off uh, Anthony's arm. Um, and I like the way they shot that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, plot-wise, uh, for me, uh, it wasn't great. Yeah, it, it almost felt like a, it almost felt like it was part of a different film. Although then at the end, it, again, the, the very ending, right? When, once Anthony becomes a Candyman, and the Candyman is rep- uh, represented in, 
in almost the different actors that have that played him. So uh, uh, Yahya, I think, is uh, then how you pronounce his name. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, um, <clears throat> also uh, Michael Hargrove, who is the old man with the hook, and also Tony uh, Tony Todd, who is our the the original Candyman. I mean, it it shows all of them uh, uh, around the end, and I think um, like that. I think it works because it works with the plot, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it wraps up well there. So I, I just feel like there's just something missing uh, that would have done, would have connected the film, would have connected the rest of the film with the church scene. That's certainly possible. Yeah. I mean, if it were me and I was giving feedback to the creators, um, I think this film probably would have benefited from a slight simplification of the premise and concept. Um, it just has almost too many ideas that it just, to me, just doesn't quite do it all justice. Mm. Um, so... So I don't know. Uh, I I don't know the exact solution. I was trying to think exactly what I would add or cut, and I don't know the answer to that. But yeah, uh, something about it is a little uh, just doesn't quite work. I mean, I'm kind of curious if maybe there were there was something there, like that's because yeah. I mean the, the same goes with uh, Brianna. Like the, they give her backstory where her dad is an artist who also killed himself, right? And they they give you that backstory but they're i mean beyond you know her boyfriend now or husband well uh, well anyways uh Anthony, Boy- boyfriend boyfriend yeah so her boyfriend also you know also being an artist that at the end ends being killed uh there's not much connection so I, I, I do wonder if there was also something in there, you know, that, that those are the little things where I, I feel like maybe they wrote more, uh, maybe they even shot more, and then they decided to cut it down. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, I don't know. I can't speak to it as... Yeah, we don't I know. don't have that inside knowledge. Yeah, we just don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, maybe... I, I guess we could have done research. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, we did a little bit. Uh, I, I did a little bit, but I, I didn't see that come up now. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, now, the other thing I do find kind of interesting about this film, and maybe this is where, you know, some of the subjects for you were are tiresome, but I do wonder if it would have been tiresome had we watched it, had it been released when it was supposed to be released. Uh, and the reason I ask this is because this movie was shot, right, and basically was in post-production uh, before COVID uh, and before, um, I always blank on the name. Well, basically, um, uh, say his name. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the person who died. Who was killed by the cops uh, in 2020? What's his name? Um, uh, the the person who who Trayvon was, Martin? No, Trayvon was 2012 or 2013. No, I'm talking about like the most recent. The, the, oh, Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor and uh, the, the 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 man who got was choked. Um, oh, uh, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Yeah, like this was before Michael Brown. 
Uh, no, Michael Brown was 2014, dude. Michael Brown was Michael Brown was the okay. the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, George Floyd. Yeah, George Floyd. That's that's a person. Okay. Like, yeah, because I mean, George Floyd is, has been the most horrific police killing caught on tape. I mean, yeah, we, we can. And 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 I I'm very careful to say caught on tape because I wouldn't be surprised that there's way worse police killings out there, but this is right, the right. most horrific caught on tape. And what's interesting is that this movie came out before the George Floyd situation. Uh, Michael Brown was 2014. Uh, Mo- the mainstream society kind of forgot about it already by 2016. Let's be honest. Uh, and until like 2020, uh, very few people were talking about, uh, you know, black killing cops killing black people, even though it's still happening. I, and Chicago, and this is the part where I, I think Chicago is relevant, is one of the biggest culprits. I mean, I think in 2017 or 2018. Uh, there were some major lawsuits and some major, some, some minor victories, uh, uh, uncovering police corruption and, and basically hiding racist cops that were killing black people. And I mean, there was a whole like controversy, and some cops were fired. Although I don't think anyone ended up in jail, of course. Right. But anyways, all of this was happening, but uh, most people were not talking about it. It was not in mainstream. And when this movie was supposed to come out. This was not. These were not subjects on the mainstream. However, uh, George Floyd's video came out. So, before this movie was supposed to come out originally, like we had a shit ton of like the, the whole Black Lives Matter became like a, a, a huge topic. So I think that's perhaps why for like some people like like you, this topic is more like on the nose because like everyone. Oh. Okay, so you're saying if it had come out uh, before George Floyd, then maybe not. Yeah, especially if it had come out like when it was originally intended to. Well, if it had come out when it was originally intended to, it would have been completely on the nose, even more so than now, uh, because that would have been after George Floyd. Oh, when was it? Well, true. I guess had yeah, but 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 it it was obviously planned before that, right? Huh. Interesting point. Uh, Yeah. yeah, it, it huh. was. I, I'd have to consider it. That, that's why I'm, one of the reasons why I'm curious to think what I'll see about this because you know I I do respond to a lot of the cinematography of the film and mm-hmm. that is a big reason why I do like uh, certain films, which is why I'm just curious uh, to see maybe uh, sort of the cultural climate um, and where I'm at will be in a different place in ten years and uh, uh, in a, it'll hit in a, a different way um, that is a little more resonant than it is uh, today. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like I don't know, other movies. Uh, I mean, at least Jordan Peele movies, but like Get Out or Us, they talk about things, and sometimes are very on the nose about you know racial issues that are not talked into on a day to day basis. This one, I think, the issue was not was not an issue that was talked on a day to day basis, but for the fact that George Floyd was horribly killed, and that's what it is. Anyways. But 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 I guess my point is it is impressive that this movie was written before that and like how pressing and it is now that it came out because like now this is a topic that is at least spoken by a lot of people. I mean, you know, last year uh, like the the amount of protests were just amazing, um, right? And it is it was it was shot and intended to be probably released 
way ahead of its time. <laughs> or not way ahead of its time, but ahead of its time. Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, so I, it is at least an observation I'm, I, from my end. Um, no, I, I think that's a good observation. I, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. The timing of this uh, certainly can impact uh, the, the police uh, involvement in the plot. Mm-hmm. And this is where I do love the fact that this is in Chicago because Chicago police is just so fucking known for this. And and I mean, like even the cop at the end where uh, he's just like, oh man, what a shame what happened to uh, to him. Uh, but he was attacking you, right? Or should I say that you were accomplice and you two killed the other man? It can go either way, but it would be a lot better if you say that, you know, that it, but, but it would be a lot better if you say that he was attacking you. <laughs> like, clearly implying, like, we already, we already have our sto- story made to come up free. Right, right, right. I don't know. Uh, again, um so yeah i think at least that's what i have on my notes i mean there's also the music if that's um i guess i do have that on my notes too uh which is by robert a.a low i don't know what do you think about the music um so no offense to robert a.a low uh, i thought the music was fine i thought it was good but i do think this i do think if they had the option they should have used the original soundtrack because the original soundtrack is an amazing score and uh i think uh well but it plays with the um like it sort of re it it uses it a little bit but like if they had the option to use it for this film um and they had the rights or whatever i i don't know that's all complicated stuff um then i don't know the, the Philip Glass score is amazing. It, it's one of the all-timer uh, film scores, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it, I think it would help this film. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, this one is not as repetitive as uh, Philip Glass. I mean, not yeah. that I, 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 I'm, again, I, I know I gave all my praises to Philip Glass score, but it is repetitive. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. I mean, I don't know. Repetitive scores yeah. work well in film movies. What am yeah, I no, say? No, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, actors. So, uh, or actually, do you have anything to say? Oh, uh, I thought the cast was very good. Uh, I, besides the cinematography, that might be the number uh, two thing I'd recommend. Is like I thought the supporting cast is really solid, and I thought um, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen, who plays uh, Anthony, was was good in the lead, and I thought uh, uh, Tayona Paris, who is his girlfriend, was also good. Yeah, so, I, you know, I agree. General. No, no weak spots as far as I could tell. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, this film uh, focuses a lot with on Yaya. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, uh, and I think, I mean, I, I've seen him in, I saw him on another, I think he was, oh yes, he was in, um, if I'm not mistaken, he was in uh, Watchmen. Uh, mm. the TV show. So, huh. actually, let me double check that. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. He was in Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, so, one one thing I I do find interesting is, uh, the man is cut. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Like, I mean, they did pick, like, probably, like, one of, uh, like, like, a model of man, which is kind of funny. I mean, not to objectify the, the person, but... <laughs> I was just like... Yeah. And they do show skin. They show skin. Uh, I mean... And in, in fact, I mean, the movie itself sort of plays with that uh, when he, the receptionist kind of gets distracted because, you know, the guy is like good looking and all that. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, the, so I think Yaya did a really good job. The other person that actually I really liked the casting of was uh, Michael Hargrove for Sherman Fields. Mm. Uh, he's, a, I mean, he's a very minor character. Although, granted, he's sort of portrayed as Candyman at least uh, in uh, Anthony's head. But I think I thought he did just a really good job at, at sort of pre- uh, portraying both this innocent old man, but also a scary like ghost. I don't mm-hmm. know. What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought he was good. Uh, you know. Uh... I mean, he has like three minutes of screen time, but you know he he did a good job on that. He has to come out of the wall. He has to do some interesting facial expressions. <laughs> well, so this I, I guess this is something I forgot to put in my notes, but that just popped in my head. Uh, one thing about this movie is that they tell you a story and then they retell it to you many times, you know, with the, the, with variations. He's one of them. Uh, um, Helen, Helen Lytle's story, the the original Candyman story, is told many times too, and I do like the uh, sort of like oh you first when you first uh, see Sherman Fields, the way it's shot, the way it's portrayed, everything, the man looks scary, right? Like he has the hook, uh, he comes off out of a hole, uh, like dropping candy looking at this child like almost menacing and then they tell you again and then you see him and it's like oh actually it's a really innocent friendly face and you know he just has a fucking hook and that's when you see him being you know shot mm-hmm. uh, and the same happens like when when you see his reflection there are moments where he looks almost playful and there are moments where he looks you know evil um, uh, so you have the retelling of his story the retelling of Helen of that the crazy woman who was going to burn a baby to, oh, the original movie, which is the, the woman who actually saved the baby from Candyman. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think they, they all play their role really well. Right, right. I mean, and if you think about it, it's like the original big theme of it was sort of like the myth-making and urban legends of it, which, you know, they sort of, play around with that idea in this film mm-hmm. um as well and just like the different generations of it as well so um yeah yeah no for sure um do you have any i mean any other things that have uh, like you know st- st- stood out to you uh i would say uh you know i i think i talked about the two things that really stood out to me in terms of like cinematography and the cast being just generally very strong, mm-hmm. uh, as well as some of my complaints. Two things I missed is the score, which I already mentioned. Uh, really wish they used the Philip Glass if they could have. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing I liked about the original um, that wasn't here at all, um, 
is like some of the lines that uh, Tony Todd had in the original Candyman. Just how it's like this weird romantic figure mm-hmm. is like be my victim and lines like that. And Tony Todd's got a great voice. It's like I don't know how they could have integrated in that, but I, I did miss that. If I'm being honest, I I agree. Uh, but I mean, mo- in most of the movie you actually didn't really the you didn't have Tony Todd's Candyman. I mean, Tony Todd's Candyman like comes to life at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I understand why they didn't do it. It's not a huge complaint. I yeah. I just missed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I you, been, in fact, you kinda... I would have been down for some weird Clive Clive Barker lines about uh, victims and and romantic stuff. So uh, yeah, you 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 had you had a his. You kind of had a little bit of that at the end. Uh, you even had the sound, the 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 sound of his voice, you know, uh, at the end. Uh, when you even get to see him a little bit, um, I, I like how. I I agree with you though. I mean, this was a different Candyman. Uh, the 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 embodiment of the Candyman you see here, and I think this is the part where it almost goes back to the, the Candyman. Is dead. The Candyman we see is not is not Tony. Is not the Candyman from the original movie. The Candyman we see is the Candyman uh, from uh, from uh, Anthony's head. Mm. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and that Candyman is in Anthony's head only thanks to uh, thanks to Burke who. Who witnessed the uh, witness um, <clears throat> Fields being killed? So the only can, and that's I think I think that's the choice of why they use uh, uh, Fields. Fields as Candyman because that's the Candyman uh, that's the Candyman that came alive until he finally got his original form, which is Tony Todd at the end. Yeah, it's the Gen X Candyman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Instead of the OG, that's actually what I have on my notes. OG candy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah. It's I I think that's maybe uh, where they're what they're going for, um, which opens the door for a sequel. But they would have to yeah. they would have to use technology to the age Tony Todd the entire time, and that would be very difficult. You don't want to uh, well have another Irishman situation. It probably just make the film cost way too much money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think they're gonna have a sequel, but uh, but I, I like like a very good horror. It's open for it. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. Um, I mean, it has a very cyclical nature, so it wouldn't be crazy if they had a sick sequel. Yeah, especially because like in this movie, it almost establishes that. Uh, for can like a requirement for Candyman to exist is for a black man to be killed in a, a an innocent black man to be killed in a horrible way that is very publicized among black community. Oh shit! So, in other words, not hard. You have inspiration regularly. Sadly. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, oh shit! I do have the puppets here. Um, any thoughts about puppets? I like them. Yeah. Nice, nice little flourish. I, I don't have a ton to say about them. Well done. Uh, I don't know if they were... 
uh, computer made or handmade, but uh, very effective either way. Um, I think the music went well with them. And I think yeah. Philip Glass music would not have worked as well with them, but uh, you know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, this film was like 90% original music, 10% Philip Glass. I would have gone for like 80% Philip Glass, 20% other music. Got it, got it. Um, well, anyways, so yeah, uh, what do you rate this movie? Uh, you know, uh, I will give it a six and a half, and I will say revisit it in 10 years. Six and a half. Wow, that's... Because uh, you gave uh, the original, what, a nine? I... Eight and a half, nine, something Eight like that. Eight and a half, yeah. nine. I, I mean, I, I the original it really, uh, I, I liked it even more the second time around. I, I mean, I, I really like the original. I think it, uh, it hit hits a lot of uh, key points for me. I give this one uh, an eight. Okay. So yeah. So just a t- touch beneath the original then for you. Yeah, because I think I give the original an eight and a half. So yeah, I give this an eight. Uh, I, I think it definitely has grown on me the more I thought about it. Uh, I mean, even even now, thinking one of the one of the words is "say my name," which uh, and which I, I, I here is one part where I, I personally fucked up, which is "say my name" has was one of the chants in many of the pro- the Black Lives La- Black Lives Ma- Matters protests because it was to humanize, you know, the black victims uh, of police uh, of police or just uh, <laughs> white violence. And, uh, you know, that, that was like the theme uh, and what this uh, Candyman would say, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I suck. Uh, anyways, uh, I'm talking about like... I forgot great, the, great ally you are. Uh, yeah, well, that's why, you know, I'm not a good ally. <laughs> <laughs> You're a mediocre ally. Ah, man. I mean, Anyways. We're, we're, both, we're, we're both the other type of minority, so whatever. I'm no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right, we should probably... I should shut up before... Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We don't have enough of an audience to get canceled. We're not big enough. <laughs> Maybe this will make us big enough. Yeah, you're, La- you're Latinx and I'm Asian X. Asian X. <laughs> no, what, there's actually a... There, there was like an acronym for like a, a new acronym for uh, people coming from the continent of Asia. Okay, well, we don't need to get into that here. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, who won? You know, I've been thinking about this. Uh, uh, man, tough call, tough call. Uh, I'll give it to the lead. I thought he was good. Yahya Abdul-Mateen, uh, too. I mean, I don't know if he has the strongest performance in the movie, but he had the most screen time, and I thought he, he did a good job carrying it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm tempted to give it to some aspect of Nia DaCosta, but mm. uh, I I think, for me, unfortunately, uh, she gets a little downgraded uh, for the screenwriting or just how it came together just didn't totally land. So going to give it to him. It, it is a tough call. I think... Um... Uh, just like the original, the main character goes through so much. Uh, they have to go through so many, so many emotions, so many uh, levels of craziness. Um, but in this one, I give it to Nia Da Costa. There you go. Yeah, 
I mean, she is the uh, director, writer, producer, I believe. So. Yep. Um, I also hope that uh, Monkey Paw Productions continues uh, releasing movies and TV shows. Uh, I think, I mean, I don't think you've seen any of the, you never saw um, Lovecraft Country, uh, but... No, I haven't. But they did Keanu, which I liked, Get Out, Black Klansman. I mean, they've done a lot of films. Uh, yeah. I mean, their hit rate is pretty darn good. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I, I didn't know that, I didn't know they did Keanu. <laughs> I, I, I had it loaded up. I didn't know they did Keanu, too, until I just loaded it that, right that's, here. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so... Well, thanks everyone for listening to another episode of uh, Film to Film. Um, do you recommend watching this movie? Uh, yeah, soft recommendation, but yeah. Do you recommend going to the theaters to watch it? If you're going to see it, see it in theaters, yes. Yes, uh, I will say the same. Uh, you know, instead of going to the theaters and risk, uh, and risk catching COVID watching, you know, fucking... Uh, Another Disney Black film. Widow. Another like Disney. Like a dumbass like Inyaki. <laughs> <laughs> another Disney film or or another Fast and Furious film. You know, watch watch this. This is uh this is good. And also the audience that uh will be accompanying you will probably be also very good audience. Um yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know, uh, I'm just go quickly add. Uh, you know, a lot of movies that I would rate six and a half are just kind of boring. This is not boring. This actually has interesting ideas. For me, they just didn't land. I, I appreciate the ambition of it. So in that sense, I, I do recommend it. And I think it does have a good chance to land more similar to someone like yourself uh, mm-hmm. for some people too. I mean, was it a slow film? No, I wouldn't say so. Exactly. So I think, I think to, to me, that's already a, a, sign, a sign of uh, a film that, you know, it's worth it. Uh, it doesn't feel slow. I mean, as I said before, it almost feels short. Uh, so yeah, uh, watch it. Uh, anyways, if you have any comments uh, about the podcast, if you have any ideas of films, because right now we are still picking our films and no one is throwing ideas. If you have anything to say, you know, you can always tweet at us as, at zafilm2film at gmail.com. That would be ZA number two, uh, ZA film number two, film at ga.com and then uh sorry that's our email and our twitter would be at za film to film so that would be again za number two a ca film number two film there you go there you go all right good night good night Mm -hmm.